0: Hello, and welcome to the Cone of Shame veterinary podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Roark. Guys, today I have got a good one. I have got a relevant one. I got one that came to me from the exam room when I walked in and talked to a pet owner and told her when I thought she should spay her dog. And she said, well, I've heard that that's not the best time. And I said, who told you that? And then she said someone that I really respect a lot. And I'm like, oh, he says that? Uh, Crap. Uh... (laughs) And so now I am back with a friend of mine to say, what does the research actually say? And why don't we agree on this? And why are there a lot of people saying a lot of different things? This is super useful information to have and to know, and I'm going to run through it with the one and only Dr. Brennan McKenzie. Dr. McKenzie is the president of the Evidence-Based Veterinary Medical Association. He has lectured on evidence-based medicine at numerous veterinary conferences and published journal articles based on such topics as (gasps) overdiagnosis, cognitive bias, and veterinary clinical decision-making, the philosophical underpinning. Of evidence based and alternative medicine. His book, uh, Placebos for Pets, is excellent and I highly recommend it. We talk about it a little bit at the end of this uh, episode. He also writes uh, the Skept Vet blog and he writes over at uh, Veterinary Practice News every month. So, anyway, he has got his fingers in many pies. I think he's fascinating, he is absolutely fantastic for saying, here's what the research says, and here's why people feel one way, and here's why other people feel another way. And so we get into that in regards to, when do I spay a pet? For you, I just gotta make you aware of one thing, Uh, number one, uh, and only one, (laughs) this is one of one. I am doing a personal branding workshop on March 28th. Uh, It is two hours with me, and I'm talking marketing strategy and brand strategy. This is ideal for anyone who uh, is thinking they might like to do some writing or some podcasting or some video work or some educational YouTube videos that they would put out into the world or uh, any uh, podcasts, anything like that, anything that, uh, that lights your fire, anything you say, I would like to talk to the public. And I would like to figure out how to reach them. That is what we were talking about. This is not Social Media 101. This is marketing strategy. So if you just love the idea of marketing, this is an interesting take on it. This is all about building marketing plans when an individual is your focus. And when you are trying to grow trust in that individual. It is $99 uh, for the general public. It is free if you happen to be an uncharted veterinary community member uh, that is... um, That is something you should check out, unchartedvet.com, to learn more. The link for the workshop is down in the show notes below, and I would love to see you there. Guys, that's enough chatter. Let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome, welcome, Dr. Brennan McKenzie. Thanks for coming back on the show. It's great to be back. Good to talk to you. I always I enjoy our conversation so much. I had, um, I had a thing happen to me, and I thought you would be the guy to talk to about it. I was in the exam room, and I had this lady who was in there, and uh, her puppy, I think it was probably a Labrador Retriever puppy, I think, and um, we were just sort of doing the basic puppy talk, and I said, okay, so we're going to plan to spay her around six months of age. We want to do it before her first heat cycle. And she said, well, I heard that I wanted to spay her after her first heat cycle. And I kind of uh, did. I kind of had that feeling that a lot of vets had like, uh, well, who told you that? And I was expecting, uh, you, 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 I mean, you, I was expecting my breeder, uh, the person on uh, the person at Petco, uh, you know, they say, and again, I should not have those thoughts. I should not have those thoughts. But that was the thought that popped into my head. And she said, no, nah. she said, well, uh, and she named another veterinarian who I respect very, very much. And I'm like, oh, oh, and I just felt uh, disarmed. Like, wow. Um, we're not on the same page. And um, and so I went and I talked to the vet and I was like, hey, did you say this? And he was like, yeah. And this is why. And I uh, it was this kind of earth shifting moment for me where I was like, I you know what I mean? Like I, had, I knew that there yeah. was debate on the subject, but I, I thought we were all on the same page here locally, and the answer is no. Uh, and so I, I said, "Oh, well, this is the time for me where I can either uh, kind of bear down and and pull out the flaming sword of justice and talk about how I must be right." <laughs> well, or- your life sounds exciting. Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) You know, yeah, exactly. You know, oh, let's let us let us ride into battle to defend my preconceived belief. Or I can step back and go, oh, well, it's time for me to circle back up and let's look into the new research and see where people's heads are. And uh, let's consider that maybe what I'm doing is not uh, what I need to be doing in the future. Maybe it is. But let's let's look at why people have differences of opinion here. So that is why I want to reach out to you. Uh, you are amazing at these conversations, and so I wanted to bring that question to you and say, why is there a, ba- a debate about when we spay dogs, and what are the uh, what are the opinions?
1: Well, so one of the great things about science and about veterinary medicine is that there are two situations in which we all agree on something when we don't know anything about it. or when we absolutely know all there is to know about it and the (laughs) first is a lot more common than the latter but the reality is most of what we deal with is in the middle um and timing of neutering is a great example because there's a huge body of literature there are studies everywhere on the subject but we don't all agree because there isn't a clear single answer and i think that's the takeaway that i want everyone to have from this conversation is there Mm -hmm. is no single one right answer And part of the reason for that is biology is complicated, right? Mm -hmm. So the right answer is going to depend on, you know, the dog, the breed, the age, the timing, on a million other things. Um, Part of the reason there's no one answer is because the literature is complicated and doesn't all agree with itself. And so some studies will show different things, and we have to wrestle with that. And then the final thing I, I think it's really important for people to understand is that neutering is only one factor, in determining the health outcome for a dog or cat or any other species we work with. So we can never expect to predict that, you know, a given individual patient is gonna get mammary cancer or not get mammary cancer based on whether we neuter or when we neuter, because Mm -hmm. that's not the only thing going on. It is one of a whole host of complicated risk factors. And I think we maybe take some of the pressure off of thinking that there's an absolute right
0: decision there because it's just one variable. I th- well, so first of all, I love that you said that because um, I'm 100 percent guilty of that. I my my innate veterinarian thought is I want to give the right advice. And I, I often the right advice doesn't exist. And, and But it does help me to not necessarily feel that weight of like if I advise this person incorrectly, uh, quote unquote, incorrectly. I am going to cause this harm. And I think that that's a simplistic view, but I I think a lot of us fall into that. You know, I, I I want to do a good job for my clients. And so I do put that pressure on myself.
1: Oh, and, and owners especially put tremendous pressure on themselves for the things they have control over and, and Mm -hmm. food and neutering are some of the things that they have control over. And they take very seriously that responsibility to make the right decision. And I think it's really important. We understand that, that it's not as simple as there being a right or wrong decision in a lot of cases. Um, I think with the question of neutering, you know, the first one uh, and, you know, we're talking more about timing than about neutering in general. But we want to just touch on the fact that the first question is, why are we doing it? You can look at it from from a couple perspectives. And as a veterinarian, I tend to look at it first from the health perspective. What are the impacts on physical health from neutering? And when you dig into the literature, you can find a lot of influences on a lot of different things. And you start having to think, what's the net effect? What's the bottom line overall? Because neutering makes some health problems more likely and makes other health problems less likely. And again, it depends on a lot of factors. So, you know, from a health perspective, I think we're looking at the overall balance for an individual patient in that context. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, that's my first concern. So I can you know, I'll tell you My my sort of momentary takeaway that will probably change the next time a few studies come out on the subject, which is, you know, for male dogs, I I think we have a hard time really proving that there is a net health benefit to neutering them. Um, And I think recommending that strongly and definitively may be going farther than the science supports, Um, whereas with females, I think there definitely is a net benefit. And I think we can make that case pretty strongly. But we have to think about why we're recommending this as well as the details of when to do it. The other side of it, of course, is health is not the only factor. People neuter because of population control and all the animals out there that nobody wants. And that's a valid reason to think about neutering. Um, There are questions about behavior. There are local Mm -hmm. laws and regulations. So there are lots of other factors, you know, that we have to consider. And we sometimes lose sight of them because, you know, as veterinarians, we're focused mostly on the health issues. So the first question, you know, whenever you face a patient in the exam room is deciding, does this animal need to be neutered and why? and negotiating that with the owner and what, what matters to them. And then you can move on to the thing that we'll talk about, which is sort of yeah. if we're going to do it, when?
0: Well, yeah, but Brennan, I, would, I just I want something simple that I could just say <laughs> every single time. And know that it's true, and you're taking that away from me
1: i am I'm so sorry we we've, we've seen an awful lot of how difficult it is for science to be sort of nuanced and uncertain in the last year yeah um, but it's a it's a tough reality we're all having to negotiate i think there's I think there's not enough veterinarians involved honestly in those kind of general conversations because I think we're really good at talking to people about the complexity and the uncertainty. I mean, for one thing, we always have less evidence than we'd like. So we're very used to having to make decisions on the basis of imperfect information. And I think we're pretty good at that. So, so if anyone can do it, you can do it, Andy.
0: Well, it's funny that you say that I, um, literally I, I have been reading, uh, human resource articles on COVID vaccination, COVID vaccination in the workforce requiring COVID vaccination in the workplace. And, um, And I it is not lost on me. I was like, man, if anybody could make a case for this, uh, it's going to be veterinarians because this all looks real familiar as I, you know, as I lay these things out and look and say, yeah, you know, this is not a complete, uh, you know, this is not a complete picture with a simple, uh, clean, uh, obvious, no downside answer. So anyway, I, I, I I agree with your perspective. All right, cool. So, um, no, I think I think that's a great point of talking about, you know, First of all, before we talk about when, we're going to talk about if, and so I think that that's good. Let's let's take this today because this can go off. This is a branching tree that gets uh, gets really leggy really fast. Let's 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 go to my female dog example from before because that was the one that that I just sort of recently ran into. So let's talk about uh, female neutering. Uh, w- w- yeah. Let's talk about female neutering. You want to t- touch a little bit on the why we do this, and then we can talk about uh, some timing.
1: Sure, absolutely. From from a health point of view, again, leaving aside population control and issues like that, um, the big concerns in females are pyometra, uterine infections, and uh, mammary cancer. And there uh, is a set of numbers, and and I'm going to bet that you can quote these numbers to me because most vets I I talk to can for how likely they are to get memory cancer with each heat cycle they go through. You remember any of those?
0: Yeah. Wasn't it like, um, is, you know, the first one is, is a significant jump, but smaller It's something like uh, 7%. And then the second one is the big jump. And, and I, I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but I'm
1: always amazed uh, that students come, come to me from vet school and they can tell me, you know, there's a half a percent chance if you get them before the first heat, and there's an 8% chance if you get them after the first heat, and there's a 26% chance after you get it after the second. And, and, you know, that sounds very compelling. And a lot of us will memorize that in school. And and I tracked that down a few years ago. And that comes from a paper published in 1965, which, you know, I'll give away was before I was even born. And it's by today's standards, not a great, solid piece of research. There are some holes in it. It's, it was a good start for its time and where it was. But we're all still relying on it like it's carved in stone. And I think that's the first problem. Um. There has been a lot of research since on the question of mammary cancer and neutering. And I think that the bulk of it does support that neutered females are less likely to get it. Uh, if they have been neutered, and that earlier is probably better in terms of mammary cancer risk. But very specific, rigid numbers like that really aren't supportable. Um, every study yeah. is a little different, and, and that's particularly one that I think we have to be leery of. So, you know, in terms of the why, I think we can make a case that we're reducing the risk of a pretty serious disease. I mean, about half of mammary cancers in dogs are, are malignant and, uh, mm-hmm. and lead to death. And um, we're certainly reducing the risk of having to go through the, the discomfort of having you know mammary gland surgery later in life. And I think in addition to that, of course, there's pyometra, which is right. you know, very, very common. You get over about eight years of age and, and a large, large percentage of females will get that. That too, sure, it can be treated, but it can be life-threatening and it's a lot of suffering to go through. So I think sure. you can definitely make a case for females that those two diseases alone provide a pretty compelling reason to recommend neutering. And what I say to people is, you know, there may be studies. One of my clients will bring me a paper saying, well, but if I neuter them, then this other disease is going to happen more. And I say, well, let's look at that, right? Because whenever we consider the balance of risks and benefits, one of the things we have to think about is how common something is. If you tell me that neutering raises the risk uh, 20% for a disease that occurs in one out of 10,000 dogs and neutering eliminates pyometra which occurs in you know 50 times as many dogs i'm going to say that the overall benefit is in favor of doing the neutering so when we make these balancing decisions we have to remember that sure we could be increasing the risk of some other health problems but overall the thing that's going to get these female dogs is going to be pyometra and mammary cancer far more often than most other things the exception is that certain breeds do have certain predispositions, and that's why I think it gets tricky. I think we do have to kind of individualize our recommendations. And the literature is getting better about telling us what the risks are in, say, golden retrievers versus Shih Tzus. Uh, there was a paper mm-hmm. not too long ago out of UC Davis that did a retrospective look at about 35 different breeds and compared neutering time and outcome, and, and they found significant differences. You know, big dogs are going to have a different effect from neutering than little dogs are. So I think we're getting into the time now where we have enough evidence that we need to start thinking about individual patients here, as well as general overall risks.
0: No, that, that absolutely makes sense. Okay, I like it. Let's move on to the question at hand, knowing what we know are there? So so let me just ask you this. First of all, do you think that there's a place for a standard recommendation that a veterinarian has or should veterinarians be uh, should we be at a place where we're tailing our recommendations for each client that we see? I I, I I, can tell you that I am doing that and I have different conversations with large breed dog owners, mm-hmm. uh, male, especially male large breed dog owners than I do with female. Like that's a place that I have kind of grown to. Um Am I off base with that? Is that going to be more common? Is that going to be more common for female dogs? What what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that ultimately we are getting to a place where we have enough information that we have a responsibility to think at least in broad categories in terms of large breeds and small breeds you know, we think differently about it in dogs than we do about it in cats. And I think that's important. I think we we are at the point where a one-size-fits-all recommendation really isn't supportable. We We need to go that extra mile and make at least categorical generalizations. Now, I don't think that you can say, you know, to your client, well, you have a, a Labrador Golden Cross and, you know, this one over here has a Labradoodle, and I'm going to give you totally different advice on neutering. Sure. I don't think we have that kind of granularity to the data, and I doubt that that kind of distinction is ever really going to be possible. But I think your approach, looking at large breeds and small breeds, is pretty well substantiated in the literature at this point, that, that we have to think about those categories of dogs differently.
0: Okay. All right. So, timing. Why does my colleague think that uh, we should wait past the first heat cycle?
1: Well, one way to look at timing is there's the traditional age of neutering, which is that about six months thing uh, or before the first heat for females. There's earlier than that. And there's a lot of literature from probably 15, 20 years ago looking at early neutering because that was the controversy then. In the 80s and 90s, we were very concerned about you know shelters doing neuters at six weeks of age, and Mm -hmm. if that was going to have bad effects down the road. Um, And then there's delayed neutering, which is the conversation we're having more often these days, waiting after six months or after the first heat or at some arbitrary point. And I think that it's interesting to look at those in different frameworks. So the traditional age comes from two things. One, it comes from the idea that anesthesia is dangerous for really young animals. Um, And the six-month number kind of floated up in veterinary medicine You know, back in the days when anesthesia was still pretty dicey by comparison Mm -hmm. to today's standards. And and younger animals died at a rate that would just be probably shocking to us now um, during routine surgeries. So I think part of that is no longer really scientifically reasonable because we have so much better anesthetic techniques and monitoring. Um, There is actually research showing that young animals, maybe seven to 12 weeks of age, recover faster and have fewer complications from neutering than older animals do. So if we're looking at younger than the traditional age, I think we can probably say, you know, based on quite a few studies, that there's not much difference. So if somebody's thinking of six months and somebody else says, well, you know, I just got this puppy at 12 weeks, you know, can I do it now? It's probably not a big difference in terms of long term outcome. Okay. Um, the other conversation we're having then is, well, is there a reason to wait? And in female dogs, as I said, part of the urgency of beating that first heat comes from that notion that we're going to dramatically reduce the mammary cancer risk. And I think that, that while there is some truth to the idea that neutering reduces mammary cancer risk, um, I don't think it's that precise. A couple of more recent studies have looked at neutering timing in a little more detail rather than just... You know, before and after six months, they've looked at before six months, six to 11 months, you know, one to two years, two to three, three to four, you know, breaking it out a bit more. And in the large breed dogs, mostly what they found is you do have a slightly uh, lower risk of mammary cancer if you get them before about two years of age. Um, So some of the golden and lab studies that came out of UC Davis, you know, they would find rates of mammary cancer of one and a half, two and a half, three and a half, four percent, something like that. Um, up to about eight years of age. They didn't actually look at the really old ones, so I think that may have skewed it a little bit. Probably the rates are a bit higher. But if you get to them before two years, it's much lower. If you get to them after two years, it's higher. So repeated heat cycles is probably more of an issue than just, oh gosh, she had a heat, now it's the Rubicon, we've crossed it, and and there's no going back. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that plays into the decision-making. The other side of it, and what I think your client has probably been hearing and what the doctor you were talking to is hearing, is that neutering before full growth, especially in large breed dogs, seems to have some risks. Uh, we seem to see more orthopedic disease, things like cruciate ligament, ligament ruptures. There's some suggestion we may see more uh, cancers for those that are already common in the breeds, maybe a little more lymphoma, maybe a little more osteosarcoma if they're neutered before they've reached that full growth and the growth place have closed. So now you're balancing two different kinds of risk. Well, I might get a little less in the way of mammary cancer if I get them before that first heat, but I'm probably going to get a little bit more as far as, you know, urinary incontinence, cruciate ruptures, osteosarcomas, things like that. So where's the sweet spot? And it's starting to look like the sweet spot is probably somewhere after they've reached full growth. So a year, year and a half depends on the size of the dog for the big ones. Now, for the little ones. I think you'd talk most of that out and say that it doesn't seem to make any difference. If you get them before the first heat, or if you get them a year later, it doesn't seem to make a lot of difference. So again,
0: different categories. Gotcha. All right. Well, that, uh, that is extremely helpful. Any uh, final thoughts, pearls, words of wisdom for doctors and technicians who are going to be having these conversations coming up?
1: Well, I think one thing, as I said, that I always emphasize the most important thing is remind owners that it's just one factor and it is not the yes or no on what's going to happen to your dog. Your dog is not going to die a horrible death if you make the wrong decision by six months or three months on when to neuter. And they're not maybe going to live forever if you make the right decision. You have to look at it in the context of their whole life and all the other things that affect health. Um, And the other thing I would say, which I think, you know, you you brought up yourself, is that owners are going to come to us with this because that information is out there. And our our job is to be sensitive to it, to be aware of where these concerns come from. And I think we build tremendous confidence with our clients when we can say, yeah, you know, I've heard that. And and here's where that research is. And here's where that comes from. And here's where I come down on it. Right. And it may not be the same thing they heard from somebody else, but it's clear that you put the thought in, you know, the background. And that really makes a big difference.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that completely. I think from a communication standpoint, that's really important because when they come and they've done their own research and they say, well, I want to talk about this. I feel like one way to uh, to lose trust is to just say, nope, we do Six months, you know, and just come down. I think I think you can speak in uh, in firm terms that make them feel like you're not hearing them, or that you're the dogmatic, uh, you know, mm-hmm. influence that that's are unfortunately often played out to be online. You know, these people they don't really update what they say; they just say what yeah. they were taught. And uh, and I think I think we have to be able to engage those people. So. Brennan, thank you so much for your time. You are the author of Placebos for Pets, The Truth About Alternative Medicine Animals. I know uh, a lot of our friends and colleagues are veterinarians and they don't read books about veterinary <laughs> medicine. Uh, this is one that's worth picking up, guys. It's, it's really fantastic. You should have it in your clinic. Uh, you should definitely take a look at it. it. It is an excellent, very, very useful book. Brennan, where can people find you online?
1: Uh, I have the SkepVet blog, which I run, and the associated Facebook and Twitter pages, and I'm pretty active on those things. I have a column as well in Veterinary Practice News that comes out every month where we
0: take a look at evidence-based medicine and questions like this. So those are good places. Awesome. Thanks a lot for being here. Thank you. My pleasure. Guys, that's our episode. That's what we got for you. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please do all the things that people on podcasts ask you to do, like uh, write us an honest review on iTunes. Guys, We have got 90 reviews on iTunes. That's amazing. You know what would be more amazing? A hundred. I would so love to have a hundred reviews of this podcast. So people would say, wow, a lot of people listen to that podcast. And it seems like a good percentage of them really like it. So, uh, yeah, I would love that. If you have gotten a lot out of the episodes and you're like, I want Andy to keep doing this. Let's pat him on the head and give him some encouragement. This is the way to do that. That would mean a lot otherwise share it with your friends uh just help us get the word out and help people who might enjoy the podcast find it that's all i'm asking that's that's really it so anyway guys take care be well the spring is coming enjoy the budding flowers around you and i will see you soon bye